Hi, I'm Tammy Hicks-Jackson. Welcome to my podcast. I am a Christian pastor in the United Methodist tradition, and this podcast covers a variety of topics. You may find anything from Bible study and devotions to yoga and meditation from a Christian perspective to my thoughts on Christian leadership and the church. Look for the descriptions and the tags for each episode to find what you're interested in. And thanks for taking this journey with me. Let's jump into this episode. Isaiah 52, 13 through chapter 53, verse 12 is what we call the fourth servant song. It is the most elaborate of the servant songs. The suffering of the servant is to accomplish the redemptive purposes This has had profound influence on the early church and their understanding of Jesus' role. The passage is cited nine times in the New Testament, five of those in the preaching of Wesley. Um, Lots are most, it has the most individual language in here, and it really lacks any reference to a collective Israel as the previous three have. Some say that this one reflects the prophet's own experience. Um, The Jewish people say that Israel's suffering has forged them into, into the one people, into the one who is being redeemed. In studying these from the Jewish perspective, Um, they had me feeling that we Christians may have overreached a little bit on some of the early ones. Um, like maybe they were right that they they applied primarily to Israel. But as we progress, um, it just feels really clear to me that in the third one, the fourth one, and in what might possibly be a fifth one that we won't cover until a good bit later, it just feels really clear to me that they at least have an application both to the the Hebrew people, as well as to Jesus. Jesus just seems really clear to me in here. Verses 13 through 15 talks about being exalted and lifted up. Something that's very high. Um, Crucifixion was a lifting up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people to me, John 12, 32. Um, And the cross, this sign of such agony and humiliation becomes a sign of glory. Verse 14 talks about the marred appearance of Jesus or of the suffering servant. Remember that he has been beaten. Um, This is one of the reasons that we really portray him as badly beaten, especially in the face. Roman soldiers were often allowed to release their frustration on prisoners, um, usually around the torso, though. Um, They needed to be able to walk to their crucifixion site, um, but the beating really hastened their death. Um, and it kept the crowd from um, having too long to to watch or to wait or to get riled up in there. But we do um, have this picture that they really um, beat Jesus badly about the face. Verse 15, um, this picture's the beating is shocking, even to the brutal kings. The way that he handles the cruelty impresses them. Um, chapter 53 Verses 1 through 3, the nations speak. The we of verse 1 is the first person plural, and that goes all the way through verse 6. So this is um, a, a plural, a, a group speaking. They see nothing to command their attention, whether this means Israel, the prophet, or Jesus. Um, there's an argument for why Jesus was not the most attractive person seen here, Um he wasn't someone attractive just to look at. He just looked 
like a common person, maybe even not incredibly attractive, but yet people were drawn to something about him that wasn't his appearance. Remember when Saul was chosen as the first king of Israel, he looked like what people thought would be a king. He looked very kingly. Remember that David did not. So there's very different selection criteria um, for those that God anoints, chooses, uses, and promotes. Jesus' way of accomplishing his mission was not the way of most world leaders. It's not even the way the Jewish people expected. Verses 4 through 6, we have vicarious suffering for the healing of others. Cross-reference this with Leviticus 16, verses 20 through 22, Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, verses 22 through 25. Um, this is part of the ongoing testimony of the nations speaking. Israel's suffering is to heal the nations, to lead to a peaceful, righteous way of living on planet Earth. Jesus' suffering was for the whole world to have access to God through him. Um, Leviticus provides us a scapegoat. Um, in the ceremony, shh, sorry, my vacuum cleaner decided to have a little fit over there in the corner. So in Leviticus, we see the idea of a scapegoat, that the high priest laid hands and confessed the sin of Israel onto a goat, and then it was sent into the wilderness and we see that in verse 6. There was another, a second goat that was also sacrificed. So one became the scapegoat carrying away the sins. The other was killed because of those sins to um, make right with God from there. Um, so the, this idea that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He carried all of our sins in the same way that the scapegoat carried all of the sins of Israel. Um, these two verses are also part of Handel's Messiah, and Wesley found these to be the very heart of the gospel of Christianity. In verses 7 through 12, the nations are no longer speaking, but the narration goes on. Um, in verses 11 and 12, God speaks, and God speaks in first-person singular language. Um, verse 7, Jesus does not defend himself Verse 8, Jesus' arrest and trials do not follow the law. Justice is perverted here. The Jews collude to get Rome to crucify him. Pilate says he's innocent but still crucifies him to avoid a riot, which would be a headache. He's cut off from the land of living. He dies. In verse 9, um, the, he goes to the grave with the wicked. Um, the 12 numbered with transgressions. Um, he's crucified with thieves. We can see all of this kind of portrayed here in this servant song. Cross-reference this with Mark chapter 15, verses 27 and 28. He is even um, placed in a buried with the rich in a tomb with the rich. Remember, Joseph of Arimathea comes and claims his body and buries it in a new tomb, Mark 15, 42. Um, in verse 10, we have really the heart of atonement theology, that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice, um, the idea that we no longer have to sacrifice animals to make amends for our sin because Jesus has done that. Atonement theology is not the only way of looking at the gospel and of what Christ did. And 
It seems to be falling out of favor some, but it has certainly been the dominant theology throughout most of time and is still seen, including in Methodist circles, as an acceptable, um, as probably still the dominant idea of, of theology. But there are other ways of looking at it, and I encourage you to take a look at some of those. Don't close your mind to them without trying to understand them and where they're coming from, because they are still theories of atonement. Um, and that is what Jesus did as atones for us. Verse 11, the righteous one shall make many righteous. Um, another translation says, he shall find satisfaction. Through his knowledge, the righteous one shall make many righteous. The difference here is whether the knowledge helps the servant or helps the one that the servant is trying to save. So does it help the servant to see the light or just see, as some of the manuscripts say, or whether the knowledge he shares is what makes others righteous, the, the fact that we are able to see and understand um, the servant's purpose. Um, remember Gethsemane coming to a place of understanding and acceptance of his mission and his call, a, a realigning of his commitment to the will of what they had chosen. Um, verse 12, Jesus is described as making intercession for us in Hebrews seven twenty-five. Moving into chapter 54, in verses 1 through 17, we have an eternal covenant of peace oracle. Jerusalem is personified as a desolate woman who is comforted by promises for her future. Um, she is desolate. She is barren. Um, she has nothing. She is bare. The larger the clan, the larger the main tent would have been for tribal clansmen, for um, tribes. As the tents grow and spread, they give additional room for all to gather in them. And so will the country's territory and descendants be. Or in our case, as we see um, the faith of God going forth, it spreads across the globe. Um, like Discretions of um, immaturity pass. We grow up, okay? So Israel's going to grow up. Um, the hardships of widowhood will pass and things will be easier. It's a another promise that now doesn't feel very peaceful, but it will be peaceful eventually. Verse 5, God the Creator is also husband and redeemer. In verse 6, the man who trades um, trades in for a younger model um, imagine that feeling of humidi humiliation and deep heartbreak. This is a way of describing the woman's feelings, not God's actions here. I'm thinking in terms of a wife who gets traded in. Even my husband used to joke like he didn't mind me being 40 because he could always choose to trade me for two 20-year-old models. Um, the reality of that is how humiliating that is for someone who's made their life, loved you, taken care of you, to be traded in for a younger model. That's how the woman feels. It's not how God feels and not how God has acted. Verse 9 says that God regretted making human beings, but he also regretted the flood. Um, Pastor Davis just recently said God realized he, he went too far and he would never do that again, that um, killing everybody and starting over is not the way that things are going to be made right. Um, God's going to have to do even more of the work to make things right by sending Jesus to give us a way to come back. The same is true with exile 
and for all that they've been through. Um, they're going to go from wrath to covenant love. Um, God, what, they deserved what they got. God was angry about the way they were treating God because that's who they're actually sinning against. Um, but that God re- regrets what has had to happen to them and wants very much to make it a loving relationship again. And verses 11 and 12 show us that lavish restoration. Verses 13 through 17 give us an idyllic situation, Um, one of being very intimate with God, being taught by God. Um, The righteousness that they will embody will make them well established. Verse 17 is a famous verse that no weapon, no matter how strong, will be able to stand against the one who created, the one who is the maker of all weapons. Um, no voice will be able to argue against the one who is all wise and all knowing and all creator. All right. Chapter 55 in verses one through nine, the Lord speaks. This is the concluding speech, an invitation to abundant life. The exiles are living on rations now and having nothing, and they are invited to a rich and royal banquet. Um, in verse 1, come to the waters. Jesus is living water. He paid our price. We cannot buy or earn anything. All we can do is just accept this invitation to a heavenly banquet. Verses 2 and 3, the teachings of God nourish our souls. Verses 4 and 5, made him to be a witness. People are drawn. They come running um, to this servant of God. Verses 6 through 9, renewal and revival. There's a call that goes out for renewal and revival to forsake what you're doing and return, to turn or to repent. That's actually what repentance means. It doesn't mean regret or feeling bad. It means to make a U-turn, to stop going in that direction and realize it's a bad direction and turn around and go in the direction you should. Um, Verses 8 and 9 are another famous verse. Trust in God's ways. They are so much wiser than what we can imagine. Um, Coming to God, obeying God is so much better than you can even imagine. It's beyond our human understanding. John Wesley really loved these verses. The idea that God could work in ways that we just cannot understand. Surprising ways redeeming and pardoning all sorts of sinners, calling all sorts of people into ministry, um, creating churches and effective ministries in the most unlikely places and with the most unlikely people. Verses 10 through 13 are the final speech of second Isaiah. It returns to the theme of God's power that began in chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. God is as reliable as nature and as unrelentless as the seasons. The human response and the creation response to the renewed relationship with God are both going to happen. Both humans and creation will respond to God. There will be joy and peace throughout creation as well as throughout people. And there will be a remembrance of God, which is a testimony to him. And with that, Second Isaiah, chapters 40 through 55, end.